I'm Carissa Andrews, international best-selling indie author and CEO of Author Revolution. With more than 15 books published, it's safe to say I have made a ton of mistakes in my endeavor to become a full-time author. The most important thing that I've learned in the past decade is that indie authors need to protect their creativity and their serenity. Being an author is a long game, and that's why I'm on a mission to teach other indies just like you how to publish books with a sustainable, rapid-release method. I created the Author Revolution podcast to give you insights and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you do just that. If you're an ambitious author or one in the making who's looking to create a long-term author career and a life you love, you've found your tribe, my friend. Let's get your author revolution underway. Welcome to another episode of the Author Revolution podcast, my writerly friend. I hope you're having an incredible week. I myself am happy to say that I have finally finished amends. (laughs) It's been a long time coming despite all of my efforts at my ordinary six-week writing sprints. Now, one of the things that I've discussed on this podcast is burnout and stress. My journey to become a full-time author really honestly hasn't been an easy one. Over the past 10 years, I've had to contend with a divorce, a family rift, a remarriage with a man from England, then of course immigration, a baby being born with a cleft lip, cleft palate, a home constantly in the state of remodel, my husband's kids coming to join us from the UK, a pandemic, and now a custody dispute as my two older kids from that previous marriage have asked to stay with us full time. So I can, without a shadow of a doubt, tell you that my most creative times have been when I'm feeling happy, safe, and secure. Not only that, but I'm also a better person when this is the case as well. So let me ask you, are you one of the authors who are struggling with writing this past year? Has writer's block gotten in the way of your publishing calendar? We often hear authors talk about their writer's block as if it's some sort of nebulous thing. But when you really dig down into the neurology of it, the answer really becomes a little bit clearer. Writer's block typically comes down to one of two things. Number one, we're not clear on what it is we want to write and therefore we procrastinate. Or number two, our creativity has been shut down by stress or trauma. Now the pandemic this past year has elevated the stress levels of most people, particularly kids and their parents, but I'm sure it's not just with them, right? Plus, in addition to that, we all handle stress a little bit differently, but prolonged chronic stress, honestly, it's a whole other matter. Now, stress and trauma hijack your brain, and obviously you need that to be able to write great stories, right? It can destroy your sense of calm, it prevents you from thinking clearly, and obviously totally wreaks havoc on your creativity. So here's why, for those of you who are curious as to what happens here. Did you know that there are actually three major regions in the brain, and all of them have to work together in order to be operating to the best of your abilities, aka writing those good stories? Now, the prefrontal cortex is also called the neomammalian brain, and it's located right behind your forehead. It handles language, abstract thoughts, rational thoughts, planning, empathy, and the central awareness of ourselves and others. Now, the anterior cingulate cortex is our mammalian brain. It's located right behind the prefrontal cortex, but it's a little bit deeper. 
and it's responsible for handling emotions and some of our sublinguistic creativity. And then finally, the amygdala is what's considered our reptilian brain. It's also deep inside the brain, and it serves to handle primal impulses, basic body functions, and how we deal with stress. When stress isn't present, we're able to access and function through all three levels of the brain, which means we can tap into our abstract thinking and dive into our creative selves wholeheartedly and holistically. However, when stress and trauma are present, our brains shut down and some of the higher function goes into what psychologists will sometimes call trauma brain. Now, trauma brain interferes with the way that we function in pretty much all aspects, not just our creativity. But since we're talking about writing and creativity here, let's stick with that. So when dealing with heightened or chronic levels of stress or trauma, the prefrontal cortex is now underactivated. The anterior cingulate cortex is underactivated. And the amygdala is, you may have guessed it, overactivated. You are literally a walking, talking bag of fear, my friend, when this happens. Now, when operating from trauma brain, you'll often see people experience a constant state of fear, agitation, or irritation. They might always have a hard time relaxing or feeling safe or even getting sleep properly. In addition, attention spans go out the window because the prefrontal cortex is underutilized, remember? Agitation, irritability, and the inability to feel our feelings, or even those of our characters, comes from the anterior cingulate cortex being underutilized. I remember during my divorce and then the subsequent rift with my family over it, it was all I could do to function on a day-to-day basis. Now, even if I wanted to write, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I don't think very well. And that's why I published my first book, Pandamus, in 2013, but didn't publish the sequels until 2017. The gap in my publishing career was literally thanks to all of the turmoil and upheaval I had in my life at the time and trying to sludge my way through trauma brain. However, I can also say that chronic stress, burnout, and trauma in other forms has also taken its toll on me at different times as well. You know, once the divorce issues were passed and the rift was healed with my family, I was still operating on survival mode because I didn't heal that. I didn't feel safe or secure enough, so I worked constantly in order to fulfill that void. Now, trauma for me turned into chronic stress, and while my trauma brain, I would like to say healed, (laughs) the amygdala was still running the show in so many ways. I found it extremely hard to connect on an emotional level to those around me, and for an empath, I'll tell you, that felt super strange. Like I was walking through the world, but not really in it, if you know what I mean. Now, while I was still able to push through and get my writing in, I would often look back and think, what the heck, I wrote that? Especially in some of those early books. When I read them, I'm almost blown away by the emotional impact in them because as I was writing them, I really felt a strange disconnect. Like I knew this is how I would feel and how others probably would feel, but I was not personally able to feel it at that particular moment in time. I'm just glad that it doesn't come across that way in the writing, thank goodness. Now, have you ever felt like that? It's super weird. Now, right now, as I go through this new child custody dispute, I keep having to remind myself to stay present and to function from a higher place, my prefrontal cortex. It's very easy for those of us who have had trauma in the past to relapse there once we've been in that place before, if you know what I mean. And so I can see and and sense some of the signals in myself 
and I need to make sure that I am staying more present or being more proactive with it than ever before. Now, in addition, now that my kids are 16 and 12, they're hitting their teenage years and I struggle with knowing what's trauma brain for them and what's just normal teenager brain, right? I mean, the pandemic has hit them hard too, and that's part of the reason they wanted this big shift, I think, when it comes to living at our house versus their dad's house. Now, in my world, all of this has led to a slower than normal writing routine for 2021. Now, I knew early on this year that I was going to need to pull back a little bit because of stress and overwhelm and just all of that stuff, but I hadn't known just how much it was going to be necessary for some of the outside circumstances in my life, too. So, as authors, I want to ask, what do we do when stress or trauma is leading us further away from our creativity? Well, despite writing enough medical articles to practically be one, I am no doctor, but I can tell you what's worked for me in the past, and I'd love to share it with you. So here are some of the ways that I have found super helpful in healing from trauma and stress or burnout and getting back over to my creative side and kind of living in that holistic, whole person flow. So number one, talk with someone. Whether it be a friend, a family member, or a professional, you need to release some of the pent-up fears and frustrations before they overtake your neural pathways and become your go-to way of thinking, right? You don't want to be in a place where you're constantly in a negative thought pattern or you're constantly in a place where you feel like you are not safe. Now, when my family and I were estranged, I definitely sought out therapy to wrap my head around things. Talking it out provided a way for me to heal the broken relationships and move past all of it. So tip number two is root out the source. I want you to do some digging into your past to see where the trauma or the stress truly stems from. Sometimes it's not what you think it is. Maybe your feelings of fear and insecurity stem not from your current financial situation, for example, but the way you felt as a kid. Consider all the possibilities. Obviously, if you dealt with some big traumatic event like abuse, you could be dealing with PTSD symptoms that haven't healed either. So even if you know the event, you may not have dealt with it properly, and now it might be time to heal it. Tip number three is mindfulness routines. One of the ways I've been working on my mindset this time around with all the craziness that's going on is incorporating daily mindfulness routines into my morning routine. So not only does it help keep me grounded into a peaceful mindset, but it sets the stage for the day as well. So what does my mindfulness routine look like? Well, for me, it's the Reality Hacker Journal. I use it first thing in the morning to set up my quest for the day so that I'm functioning with a mindset of accomplishing or attaining the thing I'm really after. So for example, if I wanna finish writing a chapter, that would be my quest for the day. It's called finishing a project. Then I go into a couple of meditations that enhance the mental imagery and keep my prefrontal cortex activated. They're not long, five to 10 minutes total, but they incorporate mental imagery, binaural beats, and deep breathing exercises. Overall, I come out of those meditations feeling relaxed and mentally ready for whatever the day might throw at me. Yes, bizarre text from the X and all. (laughs) All right, so tip number four, exercise. But here's a little caveat there. Avoid any intense training. Now, I'm someone who loves or loved in the past to work out really hard. I like to do Jillian Michaels workouts and I do a lot of beach body stuff. But when you're stressed, that can actually have an opposite effect because it still boosts your cortisol levels and cortisol is your stress hormone. So ideally here, you're going to want to skip the hit workouts 
HIT meaning uh, high intensity interval trainings, and instead focus on the movements that are repetitive in nature. Walking, hiking, running, kayaking, yoga, for example. The goal isn't to beat your body into submission. It's really just to lower those cortisol levels that we talked about and help your body kind of ease into a state of harmony and balance. Now, I cannot speak more highly of walking or hiking outside whenever possible. It's my go-to stress workout, and I found that nature has a way of soothing my soul even when I'm feeling insanely stressed. So give it a try. Tip number five is take time off from writing. Look, it's the last thing I want to do too, but sometimes you need to give yourself the permission to take a break and sort some shit out, right? (laughs) Your mental health, your happiness, your life must come first. So screw the publishing schedule or rapid releasing or anything that other people are telling you you should be doing, must be doing, whatever. Your readers will understand too, trust me. You need to do what you need to do to get back into your state of peace so that the creativity can follow. So tip number six, journal. Now, if you're feeling stressed, sometimes you might not even actively realize why. I mean, it happens. It's, it could be like life is just getting out of control and you're not sure what it is. And remember what I said about the anterior cingulate cortex? It controls your emotions. As writers, one of the best ways to get over some of the stuff that we're dealing with is to use our writing skills and journal. I mean, we are writers and writers write, right? (laughs) Journals can help us put trends into view and allow us to process the stuff that's sitting out there like energetic thought clutter in our brains. Now, I use an app called Diarly these days. I've used other journals before, but they've never really stuck. But this one seems to, and I really like it because I found that I can break my thoughts or my situations into segments and it helps. So in this app, I have a journal for my reality hacker stuff and it's all kept in the same app, right? I have a journal for thoughts about the kids or dealing with the ex. I have one for what I eat each day. I mean, I have one that even keeps track of tarot readings that I do for myself so I can go back and look at them. It doesn't matter how you journal or if you do it by hand or in an app, Really what matters is that you do it consistently so that you can work through what's going on behind the scenes. Then tip number seven is fictionalize your trauma. We authors do this sort of thing anyway, but it's worth mentioning. When I have the most profound story ideas, there's something in the world that I have subconsciously taken in and I want to deal with, or maybe even I consciously taken it in and I want to deal with. Sometimes it's political. Sometimes it's right here at home. When I look back at my stories, I can always spot the theme of what was happening in my real life at the time. Now, I don't necessarily mean writing out exactly what happens in your life, but maybe. I mean, going through a crazy breakup? Sure, use elements of the truth to deal with it. Use some of those crazy texts as an example in your work or a situation with the way an argument went, whatever. Have your character do and say the stuff that you wouldn't have felt comfortable in saying in reality and let it kind of move in a different way. Work out some of those frustrations and aggressions using your characters, because not only will it create situations and interesting stories, but it helps you then process on a different emotional level. Now, sometimes I don't think people in general talk enough about mental health and the way their lives are impacted by things like stress and trauma. Authors in specific 
get a lot of advice to just keep writing, (laughs) but that doesn't address the issues stopping you from writing in the first place. So if your writing has suffered this past year, whether it's from pandemic stress or something else, I really do encourage you that rather than pushing through it and continuing with it, just take a beat to reassess your situation and find some calm again. Doing so will reboot the higher regions of your brain so that you're functioning at your optimum level, creativity included. All right, guys. Well, that's what I have for you this week. Hopefully you found it helpful. It's obviously been something that's been on my mind and something I wanted to share with you this week. Now, as always, if you'd like to download today's transcript or get links to any of the apps or items that we talked about today, you can always head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 82. I am also super excited for next month. So real quick, I just want you to know, I haven't talked about this yet on the podcast, but Rapid Release Roadmap is going to be part of InfoStack's Write, Publish, Profit 4.0. Now, if you've never heard of this InfoStack thing before, stay tuned because it's awesome. I've purchased it the last two years, so I'm really thrilled to be part of it from the other side of things. Now, just know that it's starting June 8th, and you're going to be able to get a steal of a deal, not only on Rapid Release Roadmap, but on a ton of other resources as well. And it's all info stacked, literally, for one low price. It's really incredible. All right, I'll be talking more about it next week. But until then, go forth and start your author revolution.